Praise the Lord. We're a chosen generation, right? The presence of God is everything to us, right? You know, as I was listening to the ministration this morning, I was just like, God, you're so faithful because when we allow him to order our steps, when we allow him to be the leader, when we allow him to be Lord as he is, in every area, we start to see his workings and we can only be the beneficiary of all of it. It's so amazing to see God work. And this morning, I'm so excited to bring a word from God to you. I strongly believe that this word of God is going to do something amazing in the lives of each and every person, depending on where you are. And I say that with all humility in my heart, because as we were worshiping, I saw all over this room and God showed me that no matter where you are, and I mean it literally, no matter where you are, you might be the smallest kid up in that gallery, or you could be my daddy here sitting with us. This word today, if you open your heart to it, could take you for a lifetime. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you because you have sent it. And we know that your word always comes with power. Father, we ask that you open up our hearts. You would till the soil of our heart. That it will become tender and receptive to your word. And that it will grow down into the hearts of each and every one. And the fruits for which the seed was sent today will be evident in the lives of each and every one of us in Jesus' name. You know, before I even get into the sermon, I want to just say one quick thing about prayer. And this is something that maybe will be beneficial to some of us in here. It's something that Jesus said when he prayed. He says, Father, I thank you because you always hear me. Remember that, that every time you pray, God always hears you. He always hears you. And when you've committed something to the hands of God, you can be sure that he will keep it safe. He will take care of it. So walk in that understanding and walk in that faith. Today we're going to be talking about a topic that God put on my heart a while ago. Um, it's a little catchy, right? But it's very powerful and it'll, hopefully you'll be able to remember it. How many of you have a GPS system in your car? Nobody's raising their hands. Wow, you people drive in New Jersey. You guys know the roads. How many of you have a GPS in your car, even if you don't use it? On your phone, okay, that's much better. How many have a GPS on their phone that they use? Ah, uh, look at that. I'm glad you guys are not lying. That's so amazing. You know, like your question is not accurate, sir. I like that. But today we're going to be talking about the topic. It's GPS, but it's God's positioning system. So instead of your global positioning system, this is God's positioning system, right? There's a confession that we usually say at Rising Generation. I don't know if they have the slide. But it goes like this. This is the word of God. You can say it after me. This is the word of God. It is God speaking to me. My ears are attentive. My heart is receptive. As I am taught the word, the seed of life will be planted. It will surely grow deep roots. And it will produce its fruit in me. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 to 11. This is the basis on which we'll be talking today. NIV says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? Right? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? 
Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? I'm going to touch on three particular things there. He said to Adam, God was looking for them. He says, where are you? How many of you have ever put yourself on the GPS, right? Especially if you're in a mall, right? The GPS is always finding it hard to locate you in that parking lot, isn't it? It's like this road is not familiar. Drive to a highlighted route, right? Drive to a place where we know. And this was quite literally the question that God asked Adam. You are out of my range. It's not because God did not see them. Like God knows everything, but he said, where are you? That question was not a question of place, but a question of heart. Because what came after that was, Adam responded, I heard you coming, God, so I hid myself, right? And then God said, "Ah, okay. He said, because I was naked. And then God asked him, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? Two things. They had listened to somebody else. And hence, now, they had a new kind of understanding that pulled them away from God. So today, when we're talking about God's positioning system, it's very vital because you will need to understand that for this to work in your life, you will need to know who you're listening to, right? What has God said that you're either obeying or not obeying? Because that will tell you exactly where you are, right? And we could start off by just looking at each and every one of us evaluating ourselves. Because at the end of the day, we all need to drive to the highlighted route, right? And what is that highlighted route? It's what Jesus Christ came to do for us in salvation, right? We could think, oh, I'll be moral, I'll be all of these things, I'll be good, and I'll find my way back to the highlighted route. But I'm telling you today that you will not be able to, right? Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 6 tells us, it says, but God still loved us with such a great love, even after we had fallen away right? He loved us with such a great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. We are now co-seated as one with Christ, right? Jesus Christ is already on the highlighted route, He's there. He's perfect. And what God did was join us with him so that we can be on the same route with Jesus Christ. So you're no longer out of his presence. You're no longer out of Eden, but you are squarely in his presence. He knows where you are because his son is. Because his son is perfect in every way. It's not because we do everything the law says. It's because we are joined to Christ. That's how you locate yourself. If you're still thinking it's about your works, if you're still thinking it's about how good you are, you're still driving around in that parking lot trying to find your way. I mean, you're driving and you think you're going somewhere, but you're not going anywhere. Until you come to the highlighted route of Jesus Christ, you're not making progress. And that's vital because once we can locate ourselves and realize, am I still depending on my works or am I depending on Jesus? If I'm depending on Jesus, now I'm located. Now I can begin a journey. Because many of us have heard... I'm so grateful for the word that comes from our church because this is taught over and over. And if you listen to Thursday's sermon, you you would know that this is just like literally a repetition. But when we've come to accept Jesus, what does that mean for each and every one of us? Because sometimes we accept Jesus by the grace of God, but we want to live the life that Jesus gave us by ourselves. And how is that possible? Right? Proverbs 14, I know before I say that, it says, to give your life to Christ, right? 
is to terminate every sense of self-governance. In other words, you can't give your life to Christ and decide to run your life by yourself. By definition, if I give you something, it no longer, it's no longer in my hands, right? It's with you. You do with it as you please. So literally, when they say, oh, who wants to give their life to Christ? I think many of us have thought about it so much. We've heard it so much, it starts to lose meaning, even the basic English meaning of it. Give your life to Christ. Your life is no longer your own. It's as simple as that. It's not for you to decide. It's not for you to govern. It's not for you to direct. Right? To give your life to Christ is to terminate every sense of self-governance and to rely solely on the direction, control, leadership, and satisfaction that comes from Christ alone. If you have not given your life up to the lordship of Jesus, you're driving on a highway, or rather in that parking lot, being controlled and directed by a system that is leading you to death. Imagine driving in that parking lot, just going circles. I don't know if you've done Jersey Gardens. It's very big. Their parking lot is huge. You could, you could drive in Jersey Gardens and think you're going somewhere, but you are still in Jersey Gardens. Thank you, those of us that go shopping all the time. All right? You could drive and think you're going somewhere, but you're not going anywhere. And that's a dangerous thing because, like I said, it will keep you frustrated. You think you're making headway, but you're not going anywhere. You'll be tired. You'll be stressed because you're not going anywhere. But when you come to the Lordship of Jesus and you surrender to him because he's perfect, he knows the way, even from the end, he could lead you out, right? Proverbs 14, 12 tells us, it says there's a path before each person that seems right, but the end is death, right? I like the way TPT puts it. It says you can rationalize it all you want, and justify the path of error you have chosen. But you'll find out in the end that, that you took the road to destruction. I like that because sometimes we think, oh, yes, the law is so great. You know, like we're pious. Yeah. But it says you can rationalize it how you feel. Like, truthfully, think about it all you want. But you'll realize at the end of the day that the road you took was leading to destruction. Right? Let's look at what, how that happened in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 2, verse 8 to 9, NLT says, Then the Lord God planted a garden in the east. There he placed the man he had made. Verse 9, The Lord God made all sorts of trees to grow from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he, in the middle of the garden, he planted the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Like, the day I read this, I was like, I, I've read the story of Genesis all the time, but I didn't realize that, and Munachi and I were talking about this the other day, I didn't realize that in the middle of the garden was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. From the very beginning, it was there. Like, God was not hiding the tree of life from them. He only, he only made sure they didn't eat of the tree of life after they had eaten the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because there might be a way that seems right to you. And that's what the devil prayed upon. It will be like God, Right? And then they believed it, and then they chose. So TPT said it right. You can rationalize it all you want. Like, I want to be like God, to know good from evil, to be. That's what they did. But at the end, what was the outcome? Death, destruction, a life of toil, a life of curse that was never meant for them in the first place. Right? So if you've surrendered and yielded to Christ, you receive life as a gift. Right? Life is where you find purpose, guidance, and peace. And if you receive this life, you cannot like live it by yourself because it was given to you as a gift, right? It was given. 
And God has appointed a pathway for each and every one of us because salvation is not just so you can say I'm saved. Salvation is so that you could be saved and serve in God's kingdom to reconcile others to himself. That's what Jesus left us with. He says, go out, preach the gospel to the far reaches of the world, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. In other words, when he saves you, there's a call on everybody's life to go out there and be his witness. Right? So your being saved is not just so we can all sit in church here and be nice to each other and all be shining our lights in this building and then the world is dark and we have light in here so that we could go out and be his witnesses. Right? And so that's why we're talking about God's positioning system today because if there's a call on each and every person's life, how do we navigate that? How do we get there? How does each person successfully be on the right path and stay on the right path and achieve what exactly God has called them to do? Right? If you've used your GPS, right, when you put your destination in, are you there yet? No. You're in your car, right, in front of your house. Beautiful house, by the way. But something happens. Your GPS gets to your destination before you leave. You haven't left your house, but your GPS already got there. It knows how much time it would take you to get there. It knows exactly what route you should take to get there. You already know that this, yeah, yeah, see all of you, I'm seeing your eyes, you're just like glory. It's already there, right? So if your GPS is already there, what do you do? You follow the GPS, right? So also, when God says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, I know the end from the beginning, right? We, let's open Jeremiah 1.5 because I need to, I need to relax. It's getting to that point. I need to relax. I need to relax. Genesis 1, said Genesis, Jeremiah 1, 5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Like your GPS got there, Jesus, God, before you even started, he knew you, right? It goes further, it says, before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. This was what he spoke to Jeremiah, but this is him talking to you as well. Because before you were formed, he knew your destination. He knew what he had called you to do. He knew where you were going. Jeremiah 29 by 11 goes further. It says, for I know the plans I have towards you, declares the Lord. Right? How many of you have ever questioned your GPS? And I'll tell you why you question your GPS. Right? I'll tell you why you question your GPS. Because you feel like you know better. That's right. And then you, you decided that, you know what, I've taken this route all the time. Like, uh, this is not where I'm supposed to go. Let me go this side. I'll meet you. And then you find out that you're in traffic. Okay, who's, who, who sent you? Who sent you? Right? For I know the plans I have towards you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Like, not only is he saying, I know what I've called you to do. He's saying, look... Here's my heart. What I've called you to do is not something that's going to be bad for you. I don't know. Sometimes we think that when God tells us stuff, we, we think God, is, God doesn't like us. But he's saying what I've called you to, is a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a, to give you a hope and a future. Right? Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. This is for all those who used to question their GPS. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. He didn't say you don't have understanding. He says do not depend on your own. Because you have understanding, quite frankly. Yes, you're smart. He created you like that. But he says don't depend on it. Right? Then Psalm 32 verse 8. This is Pastor Victor's favorite scripture to every youth in this church. If you've ever spoken to Pastor Victor, uh-uh. 
You must have heard this. It says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. He didn't say, I'll guide you along any pathway, the best one. It's the way your GPS calculates everything and says, this road is 27 minutes longer, 14 minutes longer, but this one is just right. And it puts you on. God says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you. Right? So your GPS is telling you in, in two miles, take exit 14. I will advise you and watch over you. He's not just going to tell you what's the best pathway. He will be right there with you, going with you, watching over you, making sure that every action that you take in this step is watching over it to make sure that you come out in that expected end that he told Jeremiah. Right? Now, this GPS that God gives us, right? You know that sometimes you put your GPS and it says GPS signal lost, right? Because your GPS is connected to a higher satellite that can see the whole earth, that knows everything, that's programmed. Now, God did something amazing. He gave us his Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is connected to God. The same way your GPS is connected to satellite, but guess what? Holy Spirit does not lose signal. He's directly connected 24-7. He says he speaks nothing of himself. Whatever I say, he will speak to you. Because God knows the plan, we live here on earth, but he needs to get that plan to us, so he gave us his spirit. Jesus called him the comforter, the advocate, right? He will guide you into all truth. So this leading along the best pathway for life, we need the Holy Spirit. He's there for that particular reason. And many of us do not ask him for things. We don't, we don't consult with him. We just go, right? We have to change that, right? Jesus said in John 14, 15 to 16, NIV says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and he will be with you forever. Right? The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither knows him, sees him, nor knows him. But you know him for he lives within you and will be in you. That's how connected, that's how close we are to the Holy Spirit. Your phone is always with you, right? So whenever you get into the road and you're like, I, I'm going somewhere, you just put it in. He's right there. So every, literally every time, just connect to him. Holy Spirit, thank you for waking me up today, Jesus. What is the plan for today? As simple as that. And he's committed to responding to you, right? Now, here's something that we need to recognize. When your GPS is giving you guidance, is it the car that is receiving the information or you? You, right? When the Holy Spirit is giving you guidance, why do we rely on our body? The real you is inside driving this car of your body. Same way your car does not understand turn left. It's the same way your flesh can never understand what the Holy Spirit is telling you. Only the you inside, the same way you that's inside the car, you and the GPS are inside the car. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the spirit man on the inside. You're communicating, and then both of you, you get direction, you give direction to your body. Let's look at it. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 tells us, Let's read good news translation. It says, for this reason, we never become discouraged, even though our physical being is gradually decaying, yet our spirit being is renewed day after day, right? In other words, you have a physical body, but you are a spirit man. Your physical body might, is dying, but your spirit man is renewed every day because he's getting words from life himself, right? 1 Corinthians 15 verse 50 in NLT says, this is Paul. He says, what I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God, right? These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever, right? If we go further to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 in Amplified, it says, 
But the natural, unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, absurd and illogical to him. He is incapable, incapable. That's, that's really strong because it lets you know that your body is not, let's finish it. It says he's incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned. The GPS in your car is speaking English or Spanish or Dutch, right? You can speak that same language, right? That's why you understand. Your car does not speak English. That's why you can understand. And because you are a spirit man, and because the direction is coming from a spirit being, you speak the same language of faith and you can understand. It says because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated, the physical man, he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. Unqualified. He's disqualified. He's not in the race. He's just here as part of the, you know, the same way your car gets you to where you're going. When you get there, don't you park the car and you get out of the car? Does the car care where you are? Like the car is like, ah, no, no, we are not going here today. If the car starts to do that, what will you do? Ah, sell the car now. Which kind of car is this one? You want to be telling me where to go? Are you, are you, are you serious? Right? This is Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. He says, don't you realize that a race, that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do, right? Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Your body is supposed to be in subjection to your spirit. Your body is very, as, as a matter of fact, it doesn't even want to obey God at all. Very rude. But you must subject it. And Paul says he, tra- he disciplines, he trains it. In other words, he doesn't say that ev- it's every day that it will, it will just automatically change one day. It's that you continue, continue to subject your body, right? The same way you have that steering wheel in the car. When you get the thing, when you get, if you are turning left and this car is going right, ah, come here, what are you doing? You turn it, you keep turning it. You have to go to the direction that I want you to go. You won't direct me on where to go. I direct you and you, you control that body by the help of the spirit, right? That's who we are. That's how this, this life that we have been given, this life will be received, this is how we're going to be able to walk in it. We're going to get the Holy Spirit who's going to guide us Give us the revelation of God, right? The things he has planned for us, right? And then we're going to realize that we are spirit men. We are not flesh men. And when we are connecting to God, we connect to him on a spiritual level and we discipline our bodies to follow the instruction of God. That includes your mind as well, right? Now, if you're going on a journey with your GPS in the car, right? How many of you have ever been going and then like, you are talking to your spouse. This happens to me all the time. Choma, it's your fault. Anyways, we're talking. I'll be talking to her. And all of a sudden, I realize, oh, my God, I've missed the exit. Wow, oh, I've missed the exit. Was it because my GPS was not saying in a quarter of a mile, turn right? He was saying it to but Choma's words. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so nice. So nice. But I missed the exit, though. <laughs> right? So it says... <laughs> 
To fully benefit from the joy and peace that God's from, comes from God's positioning system, we must be very diligent in hearing his voice and obeying his words, right? So now you have what it takes. You have, you're equipped. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You recognize that you are the one who is taking the direction. But if that's the case, we must become diligent in hearing and obeying. Because no matter what your GPS tells you, if you don't hear it, it's just as beneficial as not having a GPS in the first place. And even worse is that if you heard it and you decided that you know better and you didn't obey, the same 10 and 10 pence, right? It's, it would have been as if you should not have had a GPS. I feel like so many of us GPS, every time it's just like, ah, why do you consult me if you're not going to listen to me? Like, you drive now, right? Focus, listening and obeying is now the primary thing for each and every one of us, right? We've been saved. We have the Holy Spirit. We can, we can talk to the Holy Spirit. The next thing is bringing yourself to a place of listening and obeying, right? Because this, this journey, right, is a journey of faith, right? Your GPS tells you, oh, take this exit. You don't know what is ahead of that exit. You don't even know where. You just take the exit. You just do it because you heard and you know the GPS already knows the end from the beginning. So you trust the GPS and you follow the GPS, right? So also God is telling you, look, I have the plans I have for you. They're good, right? He's giving you his spirit to direct you. But you must be attentive to the direction, and be obedient to the direction. That's just simply what the faith is. Trusting. Trusting in the love that he has for you, in the direction that he has for you, and obeying what he says. Right? You might be taking an... Have you ever, like, been driving to, like, somewhere, and, like, you're driving on the highway, and you think you're going to be driving on the highway for a uh, and then it takes you off an exit, and you start driving inside towns, and you're like, ah, what's going on here? Like, you start driving, you're making 74 tons. Like, you're thinking, this... Like, we're going to... Where we're supposed to go to, we should just be going through the highway. But it starts, and then all of a sudden, it puts you back on, and you're like, oh, okay. But you didn't complain. You just kept going. You just kept following, right? Because sometimes we think, oh, just because God is guiding us, like everything will just be like the highway, just driving, you know. But he's the, he's the author. He knows the best path, right? So he guides you. Sometimes he can bring you off the highway because maybe there's traffic. And then he goes you through the different things. And so what, that, what God showed me about that is that sometimes we think we're obeying God and then we get into like negativity in our lives and we start to panic. But here's what, why you don't need to panic. You were just simply following God's direction. He will watch over you. That's what he said. So it's not a bad situation you're in. You're just on the path. Unless you really didn't obey God and you found yourself in a terrible situation now you need his mercy to pull you out, right? But if you're obeying God and you find yourself in something, hey, glory to God. It's part of the journey. No panicking, right? And Romans 10, 17 tells us something amazing. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Right? So what are we supposed to listen to and obey? It's the word of God. If we're going to live this life by faith, it's the word of God, right? Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 says, Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Every word. The same way every single direction your GPS gives you, you follow if you want to get to where you're going, right? Be attentive to the word that comes from his word and you are to live by them, every single one of them, not the one you feel like, 
right? Proverbs 4, 20, 22 says, my son, attend to my words, right? Give your attention to the words of God, right? Incline your ear unto their saying, let them not depart from your eyes, right? The same way you keep your GPS right there. Like, if, you, if your GPS is on the side, you know, sometimes, yeah. You always put your GPS in front because you keep it there to make sure you're seeing, to make sure you can hear, to make sure everything is clear, nothing is distracting you, right? Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those who find them and health to all their flesh, right? It will give you the satisfaction, the peace that you need for this journey, right? This is David in Psalm 119, um, 97 to 104. It says, oh, how I love your instructions, Right? I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Right? Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I'm always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. In other words, I'm doing exactly what you say. Right? I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I remain obedient to your word. Right? I have turned away from I haven't turned away from your regulations, for you have taught me well. How sweet are your words taste to me, right? The word of God has to become like, you, we have to start cherishing it the way, like it says, sweet, sweeter than honey. Like honey is very sweet, right? That's how the word of God, we need to start thinking and receiving it like that. Make the word of God so precious to you that it's all you thirst after. It's all you yearn for. Because as long as you have the word and you have the direction, you're going on the right path, right? Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of light, of life. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Where you're going to take, where you're going to go, the word is what's going to give you that direction, right? Proverbs 7, 1 to 2 says, stick close to my instruction, my son, and follow all my advice, all, all of them. If you do this, I, if you do what I say, you will live well, right? Guard your heart, guard your life with my revelation truth, for my teaching is as precious as your eyesight. His words, the way you value your eyes, your eyes give you the ability to understand what's going on. So the same, the word of God will give you the ability to be able to understand your situation, understand where you are, give you guidance, and give you the pathway, the thing you need to do at every point. So if we are following the word of God, right, we have to not get familiar, right? Just the same way when you're driving. You know, you could be driving on a long journey and it says, oh, you're driving on this road for 60, 60 miles. Just keep going. You know, in those 60 miles, what usually happens is you turn off. Like you're thinking, yeah, it's 60 miles. I've not even driven 60 miles. So you turn off from it. You, you refuse to forget. But here's something that can happen. Your GPS can realize that, oh, there's an accident ahead that is causing a 13-minute delay. And it says, usually says, faster route, right? We have found a faster route, right? But if you're not paying attention, you just keep going. Not paying attention, then you get stuck in traffic. And then you start thinking your GPS, how are we putting traffic? It's not the GPS. The GPS gave you the option. You just were not paying attention. Don't get familiar with the season that you're in, that God is doing something in life. Pay attention to the things that he's doing, the words that he's speaking. Because if you get too familiar, you will think, oh, yeah, this is all God wants to do with me. 
right? You will think, oh, this is just where God placed me and that's where you're going to be. But you have to always be attentive. He will be able to direct you on, okay, this is the next step to go. This is where you're going next, right? Let's look at Joseph, right, as an example, right? Joseph had many seasons in his life, right? At some point, he was the baby of the house, everybody, yeah. Then at some point, he was in that pit. At some point, he was a slave in Potiphar's house. At some point, he was in jail. But here's what happened all through that. He always recognized God. He was always still diligent to God. That's why I said, even though you might be driving in all those streets, don't panic. Right? Joseph, they put him in the pit. Uh, it's not too nice as his father's house, but we move. Right? He got into Potiphar's house. Just because he was a slave, he didn't stop paying attention to God and living like other people. He recognized that God was still guiding him. God was still watching over his life. He was still leading him along the best pathway for life. And when they finally, <laughs> he, he obeyed God and they threw him in jail. That's what I want you to recognize. He said, I won't do this and sin against God. And then the lady lied and then they threw him in jail. Some of us would have said, God, you know what? I'm not even doing this to your guidance anymore because it's you that led me to this jail. But he recognized. He didn't get familiar. He recognized that God is still God and his guidance is still supreme, right? And then in jail, he did what God was always using him to do. And that, in turn, brought him to Pharaoh, which now, all of that time, he became a savior for Israel during famine at the end of it all, right? He was still God still took him to the place that God had showed him when he was still in his father's house, despite all the other things that happened in his life. And that's primarily, our life is not going to look very different because it happened to Jesus too, right? Jesus came to this earth, right? They killed him. It says he was obedient to the point of death. They killed him. But guess what was accomplished? The plan that God had for him was accomplished. By his death, it was still accomplished. So I want you to change your mindset of like, Oh, because God said something, it's always going to be a rosy path. Like the great, I was telling Muna Jesus the other day, the greatest miracle that God did on this earth involved a man dying. But none of us want to do that yet. We, we <laughs> I remember the day um, there was a, a, a pastor that came here to preach. And he was talking about two um, missionaries in North Africa, right? And then they killed the one guy, right? But then the other guy went, and then they came to him, and they were like, you know, we killed this other guy, but we, were not, we have now been saved. And he asked the question, he says, how many of us want to be the first evangelist? And I remember all the people in this church, everybody was like, God, don't use me for that one. Let me be the second one, yes, so that I can win them to you. I can bring them to you. I can pray for them. But guidance, and that's why I say, it's not, don't think of when you're being guided by God as anything being negative. It's God's plan, and that's about it. Right? If we become familiar, we won't even recognize when we are in a situation that looks like it's negative, but God is in there squarely with us. Right? Isaiah 26.3 tells us, it says, He will keep in perfect peace. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Because if you're fixed on God, like it doesn't matter. The storms may be blowing, right? But Jesus is still asleep in the boat because no shaking. Right? Like what? You might be in jail, but Paul and Silas, they are praising God because why? It's God. God is here. No, no, Allah. Right? They're not looking at the situation because the natural man cannot even understand what God is doing. So why? Why pay attention to that? 
But keep your thoughts focused on God, and he will keep you in perfect peace. He will let you see your situation with clarity. He will let you realize that these corners, corners that he's taking you to, he's just like your GPS, is getting you ahead, removing like whatever is not necessary in your life. And then before, <laughs> I have only a few minutes left, so I'll close this thing. The last part I want to speak about is who is in the car with you, right? Because if you're driving, uh, if you're driving by yourself, you know it's always easy to follow the GPS, right? But let take your friends, take all these people, right? God can put people in your car to, take, to go to the same destination. That's not the problem. But it's inviting people who God did not even put in your life to go on a journey with you. It's people, things, right? All the things that so easily trip us up, right? I believe it's, it, I, I, I'm just going to try to go over the scriptures and hopefully one of these days we can be able to be sending out notes. But he said we should get rid of everything, all these sins that so easily trip us up, right? And sin, quite frankly, is just anything that God did not tell you. Simple, like all this, you know, all this carrying sin on our head, like, oh yeah, you committed adultery. Yeah, I'm not saying that's not sin because God said didn't com- don't commit adultery. So it is a sin. But if, you, if God did not tell you to do something and you do it, it's a sin. If God told you to do something and you didn't do it, it's a sin. See why we cannot be judging people and saying this one's a sinner? Because how many things has God told you that you did, right? He said we should get rid of them. In other words, get rid of everything that God did not tell you in your life. People, jobs, places you go to, friends you keep. Get rid of all those things because they trip us up. He didn't say it would stop your journey. Because God is so faithful that if you return to him, if you, have, if, you, if you confess your sins, that's what he says. He's faithful and just to forgive you, right? But it will trip you up. You know, when, you know when you're going on a journey and then you miss the exit and it says, now you have added 10 minutes to your journey. That, how many people don't like that? Because you plan to be there at 4.45 and now you're going to be there at 4.55. Think about the Israelites. 40 days ago, they spent 40 years. That's the things that we need to get rid of. And what was their issue? They were complaining. They were backbiting. They were worshiping other gods. And the journey just kept getting longer. They still got there. Some of them didn't even make it, right? But God still accomplished his purpose. But what we don't want to do is extend our journey, make our journey longer, simply because we invite other things that God has not said into our lives, right? So when God says you are healed and he told you you are healed and then you stay there and then you let the doctors, not saying that doctors are not great, and you let the words they are speaking become dominant over you and you start accepting their words. And then you're thinking, ah, this thing they say 90% of the people who have it die. And then that's the one you're confessing. You're, just, you're going to be there because you haven't agreed with the word of God. And you've made the word of God of less importance than the word, other words you've received. And that would trip you up because stop the journey. God could have expected you to speak that word and get up from that hospital bed in less than two days. But you're there for two weeks four weeks. You hinder what God is trying to do with you, through you, in the world, right? And then I would just say this as we close, that God is really committed to each and every one of us, like we saw in Psalm 32, verse 8. He's very committed on this journey. He has given you his spirit. Literally, quite frankly, he has given us all we need to be able to go about this journey, and he's there to guide us, but we're not, none of us is perfect, Truthfully, none of us is perfect. That's where we depend on the mercy and the grace of God. And John said it, right? He said, my dear children, in 1 John 2, verse 1 to 2, he says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. 
In other words, so that you do the will of God. And if you don't do it, it says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. In other words, wherever you are today, if you believe you are still driving circles in the mall, you can come to Jesus. Right? If you believe that you have neglected the guidance of the Spirit of God, Jesus is there and he's advocating for you and you can come back to him. He will give you the Holy Spirit. Right? If you have been inviting things into your life that have been distracting you, if you have become too familiar with the things that God has spoken to you and you're not making progress, God, Jesus is sitting there in the presence of God, advocating for you. And if you would just respond to him, come back to him, let his words guide you back on that highlighted route. Let his words guide you back on that highlighted route so that you can come back to a place where God is leading you. He's guiding your life, leading you in purpose so that you can experience that joy, that peace and the satisfaction that comes from living in him. There is a life designed by God for us and a path laid out for our access to this life. In his word, we will find solace and by his spirit, we get direction. God desires for every one of us. This is why he sent his son to bring us back into his family that we might have life. If you're living without God's guidance through the Holy Spirit, the ultimate destination is death. Don't be deceived. There's only one path to true life and it's in Jesus Christ alone. It starts with his death and redemption, and it's perfected in each one of us by his sent Holy Spirit. Get set on your course today by receiving Jesus and his positioning system. He sent the Holy Spirit. Treasure his presence, seek his wisdom, guidance and understanding. Do not grieve him by the conduct of your life or disregard for his words of direction. Let his guidance bring you to your purpose and you will live. Final scripture, Isaiah 30 verse 21, it says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. May God bless this word that has been sown into your life this morning in Jesus' name.